With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan around Washett talking basketball and kind of where that's going. As we know, a lot of football listeners here, but we got a lot of basketball fans, a lot of season ticket holders. Robin, I guess first off, what are the chances? I mean, just from what you know today, what are the chances that season ticket holders from Nebraska basketball will get an opportunity to watch games inside Pinnacle Bank Arena? I think there's a good chance. Um, you know, I think right now with all these bubble conversations, that's primarily for non-conference play. Uh, I mean, to sit there and expect every team to play 20 league games in a bubble, I don't know if that's feasible. So uh, I think when you're looking ahead to the conference portion of the season, uh, I think you have to do it on campus. So, I mean, that kind of seems to be where this thing is headed. So it's just a matter of will you get non-con games or will it just be Big Ten only, which with the Big Ten this year, that's still a pretty good slate. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we talk Nebraska basketball. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the the break that we're going to see on campus, basically November 22nd until January 25th. You're going to have close to 60-plus days of an empty campus um, does it look like Thanksgiving is probably the starting point, which would only be a couple of weeks later than what it normally would be? Yeah, so a week from now, on September 16th, the Division One Council is going to vote uh, on the proposal for a November 25th start date for the college basketball season. And so that's kind of the the big uh, you know hurdle that is next up to be cleared. And pretty much everyone is assuming that's going to pass, no question. So uh, unless something crazy happens uh, over the next six or seven days, then November 25th will be the start of the college basketball season, which is only, you know, maybe a couple week, maybe two or three week delay from when it was originally supposed to start in early November. So that's, that's good news. Now, the next immediate question after that is, what is the non-conference schedule going to look like? I mean, obviously <laughs> this week, the craziness from the ACC where every one of their head coaches agreed and proposed that every team in Division One be eligible for the NCAA tournament. And I think a lot of that is partly to do with finding ways to eliminate the uh, objectivity uh, of trying to select uh, an NCAA tournament field without having a full non-conference slate because if you're just having leagues play themselves, how do you seed one conference teams over another? Um then there's the bubble hype, you know, scenarios that are getting thrown out there uh, where you have a handful of teams playing here and a handful of teams playing there. All that stuff, I think, starts to get figured out next week once they finally have the start date locked in. And so movement will have to happen, obviously, pretty quickly, uh, you know, because you want to be able to get those schedules aligned. I know that generally teams have like six months to assemble their non-conference schedule and all the logistics involved with it uh, and put piece it together. Now you're asking guys to do it in like in a month. And so, you know, the time's ticking, just like with football right now in the big 10 college basketball needs to figure out how it's going to schedule these games and you know, what types of uh, hurdles are going to be involved with these teams and where, if there's going to be bubbles and all that stuff. But 
the good news is that I am very confident to say there will be college basketball. It's just a matter of what it's going to look like and how many games like, played. Doesn't it make sense then for Nebraska to play UNO this year? To, to I mean, not, not saying they're going to do this, but a home and home with Creighton. Um, just, just games that make sense from a travel perspective if we're trying to kind of keep Cost down and quote the bubble and check. Yeah, I mean that. I guess it all depends on what they're allowed to do at this point. You know, if if the NCAA is going to take full control of this thing and do their battle in the bubble, whatever they want to call it, uh, you know, what does that look like? How many teams get to do it? Uh, and if it is just a select group of the uh, most likely projected NCAA tournament teams playing then that obviously leaves a Nebraska out. And will they be allowed to play their own games? And would Creighton even want to play Nebraska in that scenario? Because Creighton is in a much different scenario. They're a top-ten team. Exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of questions involved there that we just don't have answers to until we find out what teams are going to be allowed to do with their non-conference slate. And I know that, uh, you know, Bill Moose said he didn't think basketball was going to be played until January. So, and Fred Hoiberg said that he had heard that, um, you know, there could be some, some bubble non-conference games and then on-campus conference games. And so clearly no one really has any idea what's happening. And until they actually start to get some movement on these decisions, which should begin next week, then right now it's just all kind of you know projecting what's going to happen. I mean, on the Big Ten perspective, playing up to 20 conference games, though, you would think has to be a priority to secure that piece of the revenue pie. Yeah, no question. And especially with this league being what it is this year, uh, you want to get as many league games in as possible. So I, I'm fairly confident that's going to happen, especially with uh, you know the adjustments of you know the spring semester with as far as in-person classes. You have a huge window to be able to knock out a ton of games where guys don't have to go to class. And so that uh, is ideal for basketball to get a good chunk of its season played while also leaving yourself plenty of room for uh, you know schedule adjustments that might pop up for whatever reason down the road. So basketball is in a much more stable situation as far as being able to play a complete season than anywhere close to what football was. And Robin, you had a really interesting story this week, and I think it was something that very few people even knew because rosters in basketball change so often, but um, Nebraska basketball now has the second tallest roster in the Big Ten Conference, and you know I think we're used to teams where was that one year Doc Sadler had like Cookie Miller and... I think Ryan Anderson was a 6'5 starting center. Uh, so... <laughs> Size has not been friendly, um, you know, to Nebraska, um, you know, as far as post play, other than Alex Marich over the years, and you know, they've had some post play like that. But um, going forward, I mean, that looks like it could be a lot different. Well, so Nebraska still doesn't have that traditional, you know, Luca Garza, you know, Isaac Haas type big seven footer guy. They do have a six, one six foot ten guy on the roster in true freshman Eduardo Andre, but. From top to bottom, across the you know whole, their whole roster, as far as eligible players go, Nebraska, like you said, is the second tallest team in the Big Ten Conference in terms of average height. Uh, I guess based off inches, Illinois is number one at seventy-eight point six nine inches. Nebraska is number two at seventy-eight point six three. Now compare that seventy-eight point six three to last year, as far as the players that were uh, you know eligible to play. Last season, uh, Nebraska was at 77 even. And so that is a almost full two inches taller across the board 
than they were a year ago. And a lot of that has to do with having a 6'8 point guard in Delano Banton and having a bunch of 6'5 to 6'7 wings uh, and, you know, some new guys like Derek Walker in the fold, Lat Mayan in the fold, uh, you know, guys that are 6'8, 6'9 that they didn't have available last year. Last year, you think they had six guys, or sorry, they had three players that were 6'8 or taller on their roster. One of them was Matej Kavas, who was hurt half the season and never even entered the paint to begin with. The other one was Kevin Cross, who was, uh, you know, fancied himself more of a shooting guard than a power forward. And that left Ivan Wadrogo, all 17 years of him, uh, to be Nebraska's lone, quote-unquote, true big man on the roster. Well, now you have Ivan coming back. You have at 6'10", Eduardo Andre. You have Latman. You have Derek Walker. Uh, you know, Shamil Stevenson can play in there. And, you know, you have guys that uh, are just bigger and taller. And, by the way, they're long. Too. They have four guys with a wingspan of 6'10 or longer. And so added height, added length is going to be a huge blessing for a team that was one of the worst in all of college basketball when it came to rebounding, getting their shots blocked, and actually blocking shots. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift focus in the mailbag. We'll take your questions on several different topics next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.